for a beginner, he did real, real well. This morning I want to talk about the most Christian uh, book in the Hebrew Bible, or what we call the Old Testament. There are two books in the Old Testament that could be and should be in some way in the New Testament for, because they are so Christian. They communicate in such a powerful way the message that Jesus came in person to demonstrate. One is Hosea, and the other is the little book of Jonah that is so often misunderstood and uh, joked about and even made fun of. And I'd like you to turn to it in your Bible. It's page 916 in the Bible in the book rack uh, in front of you. And if uh, you do not know where it is in the Old Testament, it's right after Obadiah. <laughs> Everybody knows Obadiah. Uh, the book of Jonah. Let me tell you a little bit about Jonah. Jonah was a patriot. He was a prophet of God in Israel. He was a man who loved God and who loved Israel and believed that they were the only children of God in the world, and he was a ferocious patriot. He hated the Ninevites. He hated the Assyrians, not only because of what they had done to the children of God, but because of their paganism, their rejection of God. This man was ferocious in his hatred and opposition to the Ninevites, capital of Assyria, a patriot. Now, as I go through quickly this story, there are a few themes I want you to notice. This book, very short, just about a page and a half in my Bible. One thing you're going to see is God, what you're going to see here, which you see and hear fully and completely in the person of Jesus Christ hundreds of years later, God's universal, unconditional love for all people. Number two, you're going to hear a missionary message. We're responsible to share God's grace and God's love, God's forgiveness and God's salvation with anybody and everybody, irrespective of who they are, what they've done, or what they believe or don't believe. Another theme you're going to see if you think about this story is the peril of knowing but not doing. Jesus said it, didn't he? Why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, and not do the things that I say? So the, one of the themes of this book is the peril of knowing what God wants you to do but refuse to do it and the consequences of that refusal. Another theme you will find and pick up in this marvelous little book is that everybody has the capacity to know God personally. Everybody has the capacity to know God. And then this, which applies to every one of us here, the power of the human heart to change. The power of the human heart to change when touched by the Word of God. Okay. The Word of the Lord came to Jonah. Now, I do not know how the word came. I do not know whether he spoke to him audibly 
I do not know the consequences. I hear people uh, speak on radio, television, publicly, and they say, God told me. God told me this. God told me that. I don't question that at all. But sometimes they seem to imply as though God sometimes audibly speaks to them. Maybe he does. Maybe God does sometimes audibly speak to people. He can do anything he wants to do, and I believe he can do that. I've never heard God speak to me audibly, and I know a lot of Christians who never have heard the audible voice of Jesus. But I have heard him speak in the language of the Spirit in my heart that was louder than a thousand voices. The word of the Lord came, and how it came, what the, what the circumstances of the communication happened to be is secondary. The fact was that God sent a word to Jonah that he wanted, he, God, wanted Jonah to go to Nineveh. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. Go to the great city of Nineveh, God said, and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord, and he headed for Tarshish, ran away. He was supposed to go. God called him to go to Nineveh. He did 180 degrees, and he went down to Joppa, which some of you know who have been to Israel with us, is adjacent to the city of Tel Aviv, Joppa. He went down to Joppa, a seaport town, and it says he went down to Joppa, and when he got down there, he went down into a ship, and he went down into the bottom of that ship, to sail to Tarshish. Now, Tarshish was at the opposite end of the Mediterranean Sea, as far away from Nineveh as he could get. Here was God's prophet going in the wrong direction, in direct disobedience to the word that God had sent. So he went down there, and he went down in the ship. He paid the fare. Bought a ticket, went down on the ship, went down on the bottom of the ship, and you know the story. They started sailing out to sea, and a storm came. I mean a storm that was so ferocious that these Phoenician sailors who believed in all kinds of gods started praying. They didn't know which god was mad at them and which god was causing the storm, so they were praying, they were frantic, and they finally cast lots, you can read about it, and they found out that Jonah happened to be the one that was the Jonah. He was the cause of the storm. This terrified them, and they asked, what have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he'd already told them so. And the sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, what should we do with you to make this sea calm down? And he said, throw me overboard. I would rather die than go to the Ninevites. God is making a mistake. He felt that God had lost his mind that God had lost his marbles, and suddenly here the God of Israel was telling him, a prophet, to go to the enemies of God's people. And here, I'm the man, and you can just throw me overboard. I'd rather die than go there. I mean, you talk about prejudice? This is prejudice personified. And so they they said, well, okay, you've asked us to throw you overboard. But they were hesitant to do it because they said, Oh, Lord, please do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. They picked him up then. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard. And the raging sea grew calm. But the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. Now, there... 
It's incredible how many people get hooked up on this one little part of this incredible story and miss the whole meaning of the book of Jonah and the message that God has for us today as much as if it came from the lips of Jesus himself. In fact, Jesus alluded to Jonah, didn't he? He said, as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the fish or the whale, so will I be three nights in, the, in, the, in, the, in death itself in the grave so that I might emerge to give life to other people. So it was even authenticated by the words of Jesus. But there's a lot of, that's all that some people think about. Well, how big did the fish have to be? Was it a whale? No, it doesn't say whale, it says a big fish. Well, to me, a whale is a big fish. And generally a big fish is a whale. But I mean, it, that terminology really doesn't make any difference. And there are people that say, well, I just can't believe that at all. I don't believe. Now, if this actually happened, if God wanted it to actually happen, God could make it actually happen. But it's a truth. Well, it is a truth. It's a story and an event. Now, some people that don't believe it, maybe some in here say, Bob Buckner, I just, I can't swallow that. Pardon the pun. Uh, I just can't swallow that story of Jonah. Well, there was such a man sitting on an airplane, a businessman, and was sitting next to a nun who was reading her Bible. And uh, they got into a casual conversation. And the man said to the nun, said, uh, what are you reading? She said, well, I'm reading the Bible. And uh, he said, uh, do you believe that? She said, yes, yes, of course I believe it. I believe all of it. Uh, do you even believe that story in there about a big fish, a big whale swallowing up Jonah? She said, uh, yes, I believe God could do that if that's what God chose to do. And he said, well, how do you know that? And she said, uh, I don't know. I know that it's in the Bible. Well, how can you find out whether it's true or not? She said, well, when I get to heaven, I will ask Jonah. And the man said, well, what if he's not there? She said, then you can answer him. That's a smart nun. <laughs> from inside Jonah, from inside the whale, Jonah began to pray. Now, he, he began to talk to God, began to pray, but it took him three days to do that. I want to tell you that the minute I had been thrown overboard and then swallowed up by a fish, I would have been praying before I hit the bottom of that whale's stomach. But Jonah was a, an obstinate, hard-headed patriot who just was not going to give in to this, this commandment that came from God to go to the Ninevites. So from inside the fish, Jonah prayed. And Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights, and then he began to pray. He began to pray. After three days and three nights, Jonah prayed. I'm not surprised that Jonah prayed. But I tell you what's wonderful. The miracle is not that Jonah prayed. My goodness, who wouldn't? The miracle was not that Jonah prayed. But the miracle was that God heard him. And it doesn't make any difference how deep you may be, how discouraged you may be, 
how overwhelmed you may be. You may be in a whale of discouragement. And you may feel as low as Jonah did in the belly of a whale on the bottom of the sea. But God will hear you as surely as he heard Jonah. Now, you may not be in the belly of some trouble right now because of something you did, because of some disobedience, some rejection of God's will, some obstinance to the will and the will and the purpose of God. It may have happened. It may have happened in, in your business. There may have been uh, some downsizing. That's a euphemism for people being suddenly without income. You may be in that kind of deep discouragement today. Or maybe it's a family situation. Brokenhearted, here you are. You're, so, you're feeling so low that you have to reach up to touch bottom. I wonder, you know, does God hear me? You may have been in the military and they passed you over a promotion, which is a subtle way of saying it's time for you to resign. That's a whale of a problem. God will hear you. He heard Jonah when Jonah was in flagrant disobedience to God. And you're not, but you have a hurt down deep inside, deeper than the bottom of the ocean. And you wonder, is God with you? Martha's favorite passage of Scripture is the 139th Psalm. It's one of my favorites. Listen to this portion of it. Listen to what David, David knew what it was to hit bottom. Sometimes by his own actions, sometimes by circumstances outside of his control. Same, same thing happens to us. Some of us in this room know that sometimes we hit bottom because we disobeyed God. We went against what we knew was God's will and God's way of living. But sometimes we find ourselves on the bottom of a whale's belly because of circumstances that have, we have absolutely no control over. But where can I go from your spirit, David writes? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, listen to that, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there, your hand will guide me and your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, Surely the darkness will hide me and the light becomes night around me. Even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day for darkness is as light to you. Jesus knew what he was talking about here. Jesus experienced that. He was born at night. He had his first meal at night in the arms of his mother. He had his last meal at night in the upper room. It was at night that he was forsaken by all of his friends. It was at night that he was arrested. 
And on the cross, in the midst of agony, excruciating, ignominious death, the sun went out, and darkness covered the earth. His fishermen, his friends, his disciples had fished all night, and they'd caught nothing. And he showed up and turned it into day. His resurrection turns all of our darkness and all of the depths of our discouragement and disconsolate experiences that we're going through. It's his resurrection that raises us up into newness of life and newness of light. When Jonah prayed, the whale, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Listen, aren't you glad that the word of the Lord comes to us more than once? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. Of course, it's a rhetorical question. But just this, how many of you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior the first time you heard the gospel? I didn't. Aren't you glad that God comes a second time and a third time and a fourth time and a fifth time? He says, I will never stop coming to you. Never. The Lord commanded Jonah again a second time. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Oh, that's good news. So Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord, and he went to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a very important city. It required three days to just walk through it. Huge city. He hated every minute of it. He hated them. He came in there preaching, said, in 40 days, God's going to judge you. And that's what he exactly what he wanted to have happen. He wanted every one of them to go to hell in a handbasket. He just said, you're going to hell, every one of you, 40 days and 40 nights, and it's going to be over for you, brother. And he was just exulting in that. And lo and behold, the whole city repented. And Jonah got mad about it. He was mad at God for forgiving those people. He was, you read it. He was so upset, he went out there and said, Lord, just let me die. I mean, here I am trying to serve you, and you forgive these horrible, detestable people. Your love reaches out even to people that don't love you. God said, Jonah, Nineveh has more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left and many cattle as well. Should I not be concerned about that great city? 120,000 who cannot tell their left hand from their right? Who were they? They were children. Jonah, you mean to tell me that it's wrong to see little children come to know life, eternal life, life through the forgiveness of sins by the transformation of their parents' lives and their homes? Is that wrong? The church is still struggling with prejudice, racial, religious, educational, Moral prejudice. Well, God used Jonah, and I hope and pray that he changed Jonah's spirit. It took some time. You know what? 
you will never, you and I will never think our way into right living, but we can live our way into right thinking if we let Jesus Christ come into our lives. Now, I had an experience similar to Jonah's in a way years ago, and I was asked to tell this story when I was with some single adults at a wonderful time we had together a few Friday nights ago, and I was asked uh, to tell uh, this story, and it fits this message I've tried to bring today. It was, dates all the way back to the 40s, youth revival days, and there was a team of four of us. We were all in Baylor at the time, and we were preaching in local churches and sometimes in citywide meetings. And uh, this was a citywide revival meeting sponsored by all the Baptist churches in Odessa, Texas. And we were meeting at night in the, uh, in the, down, right in the middle of Odessa in a park. And we were having two or 3,000 people every night. Well, the four of us on the team had two preachers, a song leader, and a singer. And we'd split up on each morning and go to a different church in a neighborhood. And there we would meet with some people, have a devotional time, a prayer time. And then we would go visit and talk to people about accepting the Lord or coming to the revival and that kind of thing. And um, so I went to this church. Uh, and I don't remember the name of the church, small church. There were about a couple of hundred people there. And some of the high school kids had come up to me and said, Buckner, there are a bunch of kids that have been that in high school or friends of ours that have been thinking about coming to the revival. Would you go with us as soon as this service is over? We got a car. We'll go down there where everybody hangs out. I don't think they had Dairy Queen then, but it was the equivalent of a Dairy Queen. We go down there where everybody is, and you can talk to some of them, invite them. Maybe they'll, maybe they meet you. They'll come to the revival. I said, that's terrific. That's marvelous. As soon as the service is over, I'll go. And so when I got through with that, uh, had the benediction and got ready to go. This woman came up to me, uh, an elderly lady, and the, rather timid, withdrawn. She said, uh, Brother Fanning, uh, I feel a little hesitant to ask you to do this, but I do feel impressed to ask you. I have a next-door neighbor that I have been praying for for years that is not a Christian. And I've been trying to share my faith with her, and she makes fun of the Bible. She keeps saying to me that she would rather believe Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs than to believe the Bible. And I just wonder if you would mind going with me uh, to talk with her right now. Uh, it's only about a three or four block walk. And now I have to tell you what was going on in my mind. I thought, here, this lady, wonderful Christian lady wanted me to take a three or four block walk with her down to meet with her next door neighbor who thought the Bible uh, was like Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Uh, have you ever been in Odessa, Texas in August? <laughs> I mean, in August in Odessa, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego moved to Colorado. They get out of there. Oh, it's worse than the fiery furnace. And I, and I had to walk, and here was this car over here with all these kids and I thought boy that just seems like the right thing to do but there was just something about that lady and I just couldn't say no so we started walking and with every hot step I was kind of complaining about it <laughs> I'm going down there to talk to this woman it's going to be a waste of time and I just thought it's a futile attempt but uh, this lady we had a nice little visit walking along there and we got down to the house next door to her. She said, I think I'll just go to my house and, and pray while you talk to her. I said, no, I'll need you. You need to be there. 
First of all, I don't want to go in there without you. That wouldn't be right, I don't think. And secondly, you've been a witness to her. And I just want, want you to say, well, I'll do whatever you ask. Walked up on the front porch. It was not a, had no cover on it, no roof on it, just a slab, you know, walked up there. And I rang the doorbell. And this was before the days of air conditioning. How many of you grew up where you had screen doors, and if the, and if the sun hit the screen door in such a way you couldn't see through it? Did any of you do have like that? We did. You, sometimes the sun would hit through. You just couldn't tell who was on the other side. Well, it was like that. Noonday, hot sun just pouring down. And this woman came to the door, and she said hello to her friend. Her friend said hello to her. And then the lady who asked me to go with her said, this young man is one of the preachers in our revival that's going on downtown in Odessa. We'll, uh, uh, we'd like to come down and talk to you uh, about what you and I have talked about before. And this, for my benefit, I suppose, the lady said, well, you know, I, I told you, I just soon believe Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs is to believe the Bible. And I said, well, yes, ma'am, um, maybe so, but I'd just kind of like to tell you maybe what the Lord has done in, in my life, and maybe just to share with you. We, we won't stay long. And there was a long pause. I could tell she didn't want us to. And then I finally desperately said, uh, you know, it's real hot standing out here. Uh, I, I need to walk back up to the church and it would be okay if we just came in for a moment and got a glass of water and, and then we left. And she would oh, yeah, I guess so. And so she unlocked the screen door and let us in. And we went in and, and uh, she did give us a glass of water. And, and she and, and uh, her neighbor sat on the couch there and I was across uh, the room from her in a chair, small little house, little frame house. And uh, we were sitting there and uh, there were about four or five kids in that house. And they were running through there like a tornado. It was just... Uh, horrible. And I thought, you know, Lord, if you wanted me down here, if you want me to at least try to talk to this woman, will you please get these kids out of the house? <laughs> and suddenly they hit the front door. Pow! They were gone. And I thought, well, maybe God is in this. He was certainly any more than I was at that point, I can assure you. Um, and I thought, well, I said, though, would it be okay with you if I read some scripture? She said, uh, I just didn't believe Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs just to believe it, that Bible. And uh, I said, well, I know that, but uh, can I just read a little bit of it? And she said, yeah, okay. Well, I didn't, oh, I had a Bible with me and opened it up, but I didn't actually read from it. I just quoted some passages of scripture. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I went on for about three or four or five minutes just quoting some basic scripture. And I uh, never did look up at her. I was just acting like I was reading from the Bible, and I was quoting from it, but I wasn't actually reading it. And uh, after a few moments, I looked up and I looked across the room, and the woman who was seated there next to the wonderful Christian who'd been praying for. That woman was sitting there with her hand up to her face like this, and tears were literally dropping off of her elbow. And I said, have you accepted Jesus as your Savior? And she was so moved she couldn't even speak. She just nodded her head. And I said, can we pray? She said, nodded her head. So we prayed, and I said, Lord, I thank you for this woman. I thank you for her love for you and the fact that she's invited you into her heart and life and give her that assurance and that confidence that you're with her and will guide her and bless her and be with her. 
And so we talked for a few more moments, and she had a totally different attitude. And the woman next door, who was really responsible for it all, she was the one whom God used. Uh, she went back to her house, and I walked back to the church. You know what? It wasn't nearly as far back to that church as it had been going down there. I could have flown back. And God said to me, Buckner, your spirit wasn't right. You were kind of unhappy about having to do this. But just let me remind you that my word will make a difference. And if you'll just care, as that wonderful woman cared, it will make even more of a difference. As the philosopher Hegel said, every good thing that's ever happened in the world has happened because of passion. Caring. The future of this church and the future of the kingdom of God's work in this community is not just in our ability to have good programs and preaching and music, but do we have passion? That's what God uses. And it is through that that lives will be changed. Yes, Jonah is an example of what God can do. As Sam Jones said, God can hit a straight lick with a crooked stick. And he did with Jonah, and he's done with all of us. But what a difference can be made when we care. For as the little book of Jude says, some have compassion making a difference. And you read through the ministry of Jesus in the four Gospels, and the one paramount characteristic you will read about him is compassion. He exuded caring. So must we if we're to be like him. Well, you may be like the woman in Odessa who has never accepted the Lord. Let me urge you to do that today. Don't put it off. That woman that night came to the revival meeting. When she came forward during the invitation, her husband came and her two children came with her. When they'd come home, she had told them about what Christ had done in her life and all four of them came accepting the Lord that night. All because one woman prayed and cared. So accept him today. If you've never done it, accept him. If you have some burden down deep in your heart, something that's just bothering you, weighting you down, feeling like Jonah on the bottom of the whale's belly, you need that reassurance of God's love and God's grace. You can rededicate your life today, privately where you are or publicly here, as one woman did this morning, just to come forward to say, yes, I want to do that. Or to come be a part of this church, to help us have more compassion, to help us care and make a difference in our city and world because we care. I want to be a part of this kind of church. So let me ask you to bow your head and close your eyes just a minute. Now, I'm not looking at anybody. I'm not going to call your name. Even if I knew it, I'm not going to embarrass you. I never do that. You ought to know that by now. I want to ask you a question. How many of you are dealing with something in your heart right now that has to do with your relationship to God? Maybe to accept him as your savior. Maybe to rededicate your life to him, recommit your life to him. Maybe to come be a part of the life of this church. Maybe to come for prayer. I don't know what it might be. But if there is some whale of a problem down in your mind and heart right now, would you just raise your hand and by so doing indicate a prayer for you? Would you raise your hand? Yes, sir. And you, and you, and you, and you you yeah 
God bless you, young lady. Anybody upstairs? It's hard for me to say yes, I, but I can. Anybody in the choir? God bless you, and you, and you, and you, and so many of you. God bless you all. Now, Lord, help everybody to know that this is not Buckner's invitation. It's not even the invitation of Trinity Baptist Church. It's your invitation. He said, whosoever will may come. And we're so glad that we Ninevites were able to come because of your grace, your love. So, dear Lord, we pray for those who've raised their hands who need to accept you today, need to know the assurance of their salvation, or need to come in rededication or to come be a part of whatever you want them to do in the life of this church. Help everybody to know that they're not accepting or rejecting this preacher or this church, but that it's your word and your, your invitation and your loving appeal and your compassionate spirit that reaches out to the Ninevehs of the world. Thank you for coming to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Now I'm going to be right down here. Whatever God's Spirit has motivated you to do, whether you lifted your hand or didn't, if you need to make a decision to translate it from your heart to your foot, do it right now. Come on, let's stand and sing.